Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mighty word from a mighty God, and yet a gentle word from a gentle God. And so help us, Lord, to learn from you, our mighty and gentle Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 38, verse 20. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adullamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, there was no harlot in this place. He returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. Judah said, let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. And also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. Judah said, bring her forth, let her be burnt. But when she was brought forth, she said to her father-in-law, saying, by the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, discern, I pray thee, whose are these? The signet, the brace, the staff, Judah, acknowledge them. And said, she hath been more righteous than I, because I gave her not to Sheila, my son. And he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that one put out his hand, and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a garland's thread, saying, this came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand, that behold, his brother came out, and she said, how hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharaoh's. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zara. Okay, now in our last study we were looking in here and we saw how Judah really made a mess of his life here and how God in his goodness, as we're beginning to see, started to lead Judah and Tamar. Don't forget Tamar in this passage. She's very important. She's starting to lead him back to repentance. It's wonderful to see how in the midst of really a very dark chapter, how God begins to come through with light. I mean, really it's the theme of Genesis. It's the way the whole book starts off. In Genesis 1, when it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created Tamar and Judah also. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so that's the way it was here is that, you know, that Judah and Tamar, because of their sin, they made themselves void of God. And they made their lives to be lives of great darkness. And just as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and over the earth, so God brooded over Judah and Tamar. And then God says in this chapter, let there be light. And that's the beginning of what we're starting to see here. 
God in his goodness bringing in the light by leading both Tamar and Judah to repentance. I mean, how great is that? That's wonderful. So what happened? What happened to Judah and Tamar at the end of this chapter was like John 1, 15, 1, 5 rather, the light shineth the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness just was not able to extinguish the light. So, so far, the darkness has been that Judah, here's the darkness, the summary of the darkness. Judah, what did he do? He left his people. He joined himself to a perverted, sexually perverted people. He married a Canaanite. He had three sons. Two of them died. His wife dies also. They died when they were married to the same woman, Tamar, his two sons. And he's promised Tamar that she can marry his last son, Shelah, as soon as he grows up. Shelah grows up. Judah doesn't give Tamar, make the marriage happen as he promised. Judah's wife dies. Tamar knows. She's been cheated. She's been lied to. She feels wrong. She's angry, and rightfully so, with Judah. She decides to get even with Judah and force him to give Shelah to her. She disguises herself as a prostitute. Judah promises to pay her later with a kid, a goat. But, actually, he did pay her later with a kid. <laughs> but that was two kids, but that wasn't part of what I meant. Okay. But Tamar gets Judah to give her immediately his ring, his bracelets, his staff, his payment, uh, down payment for the prostitution. She gets pregnant by Judah. Judah orders Tamar to be burnt to death. Tamar humiliates Judah by publicly naming Judah as the father, and she produces Judah's ring, bracelets, and the staff. And then Judah publicly says he's more guilty than she is. He spares her life. She has hard labor and delivers twins. Wow, what a roller coaster for a chapter, right? <laughs> but our focus really, as we've been studying in here, has been on Judah and Joseph. I mean, Genesis has really brought us into a focus on Judah, Joseph, and Jacob's family. But God loves all the world, and that means God loves this Gentile Tamar also. So we want to now turn our focus to Tamar because she's important and consider what did she do and what God did in love to her. Now, we read about her plot, her carefully put together plot in Genesis 38, verse 13 and 14, where it says, and it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnah to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her, covered her with a veil, wrapped herself, sat in an open place, which, by the way, Timnah, for she saw that Sheila was grown and was not given to him to wife. So what Tamar did was very carefully planned out, not a spur of the moment. She thought this through. She looked, Tamar looked, for the best opportunity to carry out her plot. She knew, Tamar knew, that Judah's wife had just died, and that put Judah in a particular vulnerable state for her plan to work. Tamar also knew that Judah was going to Timnath, and this is the sheep shearing, it's really a celebration, a lot of drinking, a lot of eating, a lot of that. So that put Judah in a particular vulnerable state of a self-indulgent mood. So Tamar, she takes all these factors into consideration when she steps out and presents herself as the bait. And she knew the hungry Judas could not resist that. So what's so remarkable about all this is the amount of forethought 
that Tamar put into the plot. I mean, she planned this. She planned this carefully. She planned what she was going to ask Judah for and what she was going to do with them. So it's really not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable for Tamar for her to desire to be married to Sheila because Judah had promised Tamar that she was going to be married to Sheila, and Judah had gone back on his word. So Judah had wronged Tamar. So, But the problem we're seeing here is the way that Tamar went about to right this wrong. I mean, that's a problem here. And that is something that we can learn from. We can learn from this. Tamar carefully thought out her plan to right the wrong, but her plan was wrong, and two wrongs do not make a right, although Tamar doesn't think that way. But God loved Tamar too much to let her get away with that. So God let Tamar really suffer. She didn't plan on getting pregnant, but she got pregnant, and she went through a really hard labor, and at the end, she never got Sheila. She never got Sheila. Now, Tamar's plan is very instructive for us, and we need to see it clearly, because we could just call this Tamar's road. It's a pattern. It's a typical pattern, Tamar's road. I mean, what happened at Tamar's road? First of all, here there, there's some points to it. First point, Tamar was cheated and wronged, and that made Tamar angry. Okay. Second, in Tamar's anger, she came up with a plan to right the wrong And Tamar made sure that her plan also included vengeance on Judah for cheating her. And Tamar felt good. She felt good about this, you know, carefully planning out every step of her plan, not only to get Sheila, but to get even with Judah. So Tamar, she had no trouble thinking, you know, two wrongs do make a right. And so she justified her wrong, her second wrong. That was, now, third point, third point. Tamar carried out this plan. She not only thought it through, she went through with her plan to get even. Fourth point, God loved Tamar too much to let her get away with her wrong, so God made Tamar's plan to backfire. It backfired on Tamar when she got pregnant. That wasn't part of her plan, and then that turned out to be bad for her, and the delivery was very painful, and the twins fighting and all that happened. Fifth point, Tamar did have children, and when she had children, which I've said, as I said, is not part of her plan. When she had children, Tamar became disqualified from being able to raise up children to the name of her deceased husband, her husband's. So in the end, Tamar never did get what she wanted, which was to marry Sheila. She never married Sheila. Now, what we see, when you step back, you look at this, in these five points, these five parts here, is very instructive for us. First part, being cheated and wronged. Second part, devising a plan to get even. Third part, going through, carrying out the plan to get even. Fourth part, the plan backfires. Fifth part, never getting what was wanted in the first place. Anybody ever experienced that before? (laughs) How many of you have ever felt cheated or wronged in life? Okay, (laughs) honest people. How many ever thought of... A way I could get even. How many ever devised a plan to get even? Okay. All right. How many ever actually went through that plan and tried to get even? I did. Okay. How many ever tried to get even and it backfired? (laughs) 
And you never got your ultimate goal. Okay. How many here wish that Tom would just stop meddling and stop asking me these questions <laughs> and get on with the entertaining lesson already, you know? <laughs> Tamar was wrong, and she felt wrong, and she felt justified to get what she wanted and get vengeance also in the path. It all backfired on Tamar. She never got what she wanted. You know, I asked you how many have gone through this. I'm going to tell you about it. A long time ago, we had a Christian. I want you to keep thinking about Tamar's what happened with her five points. And think about it in this example. A long time ago, we had a Christian working for us at Scantabodies. And he had a craftsman screwdriver that he bought at Sears in El Cajon. Everybody, what do you know about craftsman tools, right? You got the guarantee, you know. It has a lifetime guarantee. Everybody knows that. That if a craftsman tool breaks... All you got to do is bring the broken tool to any Sears, and it's going to be replaced free of charge, no questions asked. And so when you buy the Craftsman tools, you pay a little bit more for it, but you get that lifetime guarantee where it says Craftsman on there, and you feel good. All right. So our employee, he's at home. He's working with, you know, with his handy little Craftsman screwdriver, and he decides to pry open a lid with the Craftsman screwdriver. And what happened? The screwdriver broke. <laughs> the screwdriver broke. Okay. Oh, you know, he's, oh, you know, he looks at the craftsman emblem. He says, okay, that's okay, because I paid more for it. I have the craftsman guarantee. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to march right down those stairs to, to the basement of Sears and El Cajon and show them this craftsman screwdriver and get my replacement screwdriver. All right? You got the picture? Okay. So... He takes his wife, he takes his young son, he takes his young daughter. They all pile in the car, they go to Sears. So his family's at his side. He presents that broken screwdriver. And what do you think the Sears salesman said? You are using the screwdriver for something other than its intended use of screwing screws, you know? And so uh, no replacement screwdriver. And he was mad. And he argued there, and he could not convince that salesman. And in the end... He didn't get the new screwdriver. He didn't get the replacement screwdriver. And keep in mind, his family is standing right there next to him, you know, and they're watching the whole scene of how dad thought he was wrong and dad was humiliated and dad was really mad. So what do you think dad did? He walks over. Do you know where I'm going? <laughs> he walks over to where the screwdrivers are and he looks around. And then he slips a screwdriver into his coat pocket. All right? And then he headed for the stairs and out the door, feeling justified, right? And there in the parking lot, who do you think there was to meet him? <laughs> the Sears security was there for him. And they reached into that pocket, because they were watching him on the camera. They reached into that pocket, and they asked him, you got a receipt for this? Okay. Now the alcohol police arrives. They arrest him. They put him in the police car. They drive him down to the Alcohol Police Office. Now, keep in mind, his wife, his little girl, his little boy, they're following in the car behind the police car. All right? And so that was an interesting night. As the family got to watch Dad get fingerprinted and booked for shoplifting, and Dad was a Sunday school teacher. Okay? So in the end, he didn't get the screwdriver. They didn't get, they said, okay, now you get to keep the screwdriver. That's not what happened. So what happened? He went down the Tamar Road. See, he felt cheated wrong by Sears 
for not honoring their guarantee to replace the crassest screwdriver, just like Tamar felt cheated by Judah for not getting Shelah. He devised a plan to get even with Sears to get his replacement screwdriver, and he, he felt he had the right to that, just like Tamar carefully thought out to get even with Judah and get Shelah. He carried out his plan to get even and got the replacement screwdriver, just like Tamar went through with her plan to get even with Judah and humiliate him, get Shelah. But God loved him too much to let him get away with his wrong. So his plan to get the screwdriver by stealing it from Sears, it backfired. He gets caught. He gets booked for shoplifting. Just like God loved Tamar too much to let her get it wrong with, get away with it. So plan to get Sheila backfires. She gets pregnant by Judah. She has a painful labor, and she delivers two of Judah's sons. And in the end, he never got his screwdriver, and Tamar never got Sheila. See, all of this has got to show us that instead of getting even, we need to follow what the Lord said when Matthew 5.38, when he said, the Lord said, said, you've heard that it had been said of old, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's easy, right? <laughs> and if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that borroweth thee of thee, turn not thou away. See, what's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? It's getting even. It's getting even. It's settling the score. It's righting the wrong. And what's resist not evil? It's not doing another wrong to make it right. See, all this we see in Tamar, it's fueled by anger. She's holding a grudge, which is why the Lord told the Jewish people, in Leviticus 19.18, Leviticus 19.18, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So what Tamar was doing to Judah was to treat him like he treated her. And the Lord said, don't do that. In Proverbs 24.29, 24.29, say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. In Romans 12.19, makes it so clear. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And the Lord Jesus, we see this in his life, he didn't fight back. Isaiah 50, verse 6, Isaiah 50, verse 6, he says, the Lord Jesus says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Now, when the hero of our story, when he came to work the next day and told us what happened, we all wondered, you know, how could you have done this? But when we saw how angry he was over them not agreeing to get screwdriver, it was clear. It was all personal anger that drove this. The same way when we see the incest that Tamar did, we wonder, how could she have done that? And the reason is the same. She was so angry. She was very, very angry. You know, and it live up to the guarantee, Judah, you gave it to me in verse 11, then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow, remain a widow is what he said, at thy father's house. And Tamar went and dwelt in father's house. So what happened to Tamar is that Tamar knew she had been tricked into a condemned life of widowhood, never to be married, and she was angry. So in verse 25, when she's brought forward to be burned, there's something very interesting detail is there, a little tiny little clause in verse 25, you see it? When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, 
saying by the man, well, these are, am I with child? And I pray they discern who these are, the signet, the brace, so forth. It says she sent to her father-in-law. And the question is, why did she send to her father-in-law? Okay, what's the obvious answer? He wasn't there, right? She had to send these things. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. Judah was not there to witness her execution. So she had to send this to Judah. So this is a very, very delicate situation here. It's very, very decisive in what she's doing here to draw Judah in. And her statement was really enough to bring Judah to his senses and to see how awful his sins were. But the question is, what sin did Judah come to see when it says that he acknowledged it? She presented Judah's ring and bracelet and staff. And what is the sin that he came to see when he said, I'm so sinful that she's more righteous than I? You know, she, the one who knowingly was going into incest, adultery, incest, and she's more righteous than I am. So what is he talking about? Okay. In our English translation, we have the word discern. She said discern. But it's very important to understand the Hebrew word behind that word, nakar. Nakar, it means to scrutinize, to look very carefully at these items. That word nakar is very important here because it's important to see where it's being used in the context of this chapter and in the context of the previous chapter, the last chapter. And if you turn back to the last chapter, to Genesis 37, you look back at verses 31, 33, you see the prominence of this word nakar. See, in, in verse 31, Genesis 37, 31, it says, and they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father. See, they sent, okay? She sent, they sent, she sent. And they said, this have we found Know thou whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat, and evil beast said, Devour him. Joseph was without doubt rent in pieces. The word nakar appears twice in that narrative. First, in the 32nd verse, Genesis 37, 32. Second, 32nd verse, it says, And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and they said, This have we found. No, nakar. That's the word. Nakar now, whether it be thy son's coat or not. So Judah and the rest of the brothers had tricked their father into thinking that Joseph was dead. And they did this trickery by showing Jacob Joseph's coat of many colors with all the red blood all over it. And they challenged Jacob in verse 32. This have we found. No, Nakar. Now, whether it be thy son's coat or no. They asked their father with the word nakar to scrutinize the coat very carefully. Nakar, examine it to see whose it was. Judah and the brothers knew very well that it was Joseph's coat, but they asked their father, nakar, scrutinize it for yourself, look carefully. Then it says that Jacob knew it in the 33rd verse of chapter 37, chapter 37, verse 33. 33 says, and he knew it. And said, it is my son's coat, and evil be Seth that devour him. Joseph is without rent in pieces. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free 
at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.